This episode discusses pricing and supply implications and was recorded before the war in Ukraine. Welcome to the Procurement Show. Hello and welcome to The Procurement Show, the show that tackles the topics we all need to think about and sets out to explore the more interesting bits of procurement. I'm Jonathan O'Brien. And I'm Paul Philpot. I'm here to ask the questions and I particularly enjoy it when I can think of an awkward one. This week we're looking at the topic of the moment, which is price increases. And since last year the focus for many procurement functions has been maintaining security of supply and dealing with unprecedented price increase demands from suppliers. So today we're looking at how we can handle this and what things we can do to minimise the impact and stay in control. The Procurement Show is brought to you by Positive Purchasing, enabling the future of procurement in organisations around the globe. Now, prices have been increasing, all right? They've been rising. Have we seen the end of kind of all this price rising that's been going on or is there more to come and remind me why are we seeing this and what does it mean for procurement yeah lots of questions in there so i don't think we have seen the end of it yet i think we're going to be in an inflationary environment till 2023 2024 and there's a number of things we've talked about some of these on previous procurement shows so energy prices are rising yes around the world for a variety of different reasons and they're not going to come back anytime soon then we're going to see things like cost of fossil fuel type energy being increased to begin to tackle the emissions crisis. We've got logistics supplies around the world that are beginning to subside now. We've talked about all of those different challenges, but there's still issues in terms of moving things around. We've got the impacts of COVID and lots of suppliers that failed or uh, stopped production. And there's been all sorts of ripples that have run around the world. So semiconductors, then ripples as a result of production stopped, the automotive industry scaling back, then scaling up, fires at certain plants at certain parts of the world and a whole bunch of other factors coupled with shortages of labour in certain areas and we've got this perfect storm. I was just going to use the phrase perfect storm. And it's going to take a while for that to subside but it will subside but the other reality is as we come out of Covid we're going to be seeing inflation increasing generally which is also going to be a factor. So all of these things are converging and it means the cost of everything will increase and we ain't seen the end of it yet. In fact during 2022 I predict that we're going to see prices increase quite a significant hike again as some of these price increases filter through to the consumers. Okay well I'm going to end the podcast here and now because obviously the conclusion is it are all doom and gloom and let's face it if people in procurement are having to spend out more then we're just going to have to put our prices up as well yeah well that would be the obvious thing so if you are an automotive company for example then you know you will be seeing massive price increases from your suppliers but you're a big automotive company so we'll talk about the kind of leverage and the power that you can wield there in just a moment but the obvious thing of course is you put up the price of the cars to the consumer problem is ultimately everybody's going to be doing that do you want to be the automotive giant that goes first then suddenly says actually our cars are going to be another 15 or 20 percent more which is the sort of factor that we're talking about because if you go first suddenly you're going to erode your market share so you don't want to be the one that goes first so what the automotive companies for example have been doing is all of those kind of dealer margins those incentives to be able to get people to buy all of that has been stripped out so if you're trying to buy a car right now don't think that you can get a good deal because there are no deals you're going to struggle to get the car but ultimately prices will have to be passed on to the end consumer but right now the game is how can we hold off passing these prices on 
And at the same time, suppliers are coming along saying prices are rising, need a price increase. Yeah, that's an interesting point that nobody wants to go first. We've seen it in something not necessarily related directly to price increases, but in the UK, the mobile phone market Mm. and EU roaming. There's been a battle as to who's going to go first and change the contracts for mobile phone users because nobody wants to do it first. But there's probably something you can't really protect yourself against, and that's inflationary price increase, isn't there? How do you work around that? Well, you can't protect yourself against that. And this is about the degree to which you can gain an advantage in a marketplace at any one time. So if everything's going up and yours goes up with it, that doesn't matter because you're kind of one of many. But you don't want to be the one that sticks out. But also sometimes you can claim an advantage if you're able to be the one doing cost leadership when everybody else Mm -hmm. is putting stuff up. The problem right now is scarcity. And across many sectors, you just can't get the stuff. Right now, it is a seller's market for many, many things. There's pent up demand as a result of COVID. So people have got money to spend. They're still rushing out trying to buy stuff. Even if the price is going up, many things you can't get the thing. And manufacturers, brand names are recognizing that scarcity has a value. They always have, but now it's got even more value. If you can create scarcity, people will still chase that thing. Oh, well, I've got the end of the podcast again, then. It's (laughs) quite simple. You just refuse to supply. I mean, surely that's actually a threat, isn't it? It is a threat. So let's think about what the suppliers would do. And let's think about what we would do. So if you're in a procurement role, and you've got suppliers beating down your door saying, I need a price increase. So you're in this situation where, on the one hand, you've got to try and fend that off as much as you can. Mm. And on the other hand, you've got to figure out how essential that is. So one of the first things we've got to do is we've got to decide how critical that area of supply is to us, how important that supplier is. So we've got to work the usual procurement tools. Can they be replaced? Right. Can we switch? Is there somebody out there who we can switch to Mm -hmm. who will probably be asking for a price increase as well? Is there somebody else that we can switch to? What alternatives do we have? So if you're an automotive company and you have one supplier and you need that supplier, there are other suppliers you could bring on. But if you really need that supplier, then you have to take seriously what they're saying to you. Yeah. But let's say you do have alternatives. Your first tactic as a buyer is to say no. So you just say, okay, no, we can't entertain it. You know, not possible, no budget. We've agreed a price mechanism in the contract. We can't entertain this. Go away and absorb it. Mm -hmm. So that's tactic number one. Mm -hmm. Be careful playing that tactic because, again, if this supplier is important to you, then that could present a whole bunch of risk. It could kind of really backfire in your face. It it? could, but there is something about just sort of pushing away initially because that does two things. It tests how serious the supplier is, and that's a key thing because everybody's saying, I need a pricing increase right now. But you've got to kind of test how much things are really hurting them. Is this hurting them to the point where it's unsustainable and they're going to put you on hold or stop supply and Uh that's going to give you a problem? Or are they just asking for a price increase because, you know, everybody else is and they want to kind of maintain a healthy margin there? So saying no is not necessarily a bad thing, but we do it cautiously. So that's step number one. Because if this really is hurting them, they're not going to take no. They're going to say, well, you know, there's no way we can continue to supply. You're going to get an email or a letter endorsed by the chief executive saying, you know, we've considered this at board level. And unless you're able to accommodate this, then we will be left no option, contract or no contract. You're going to be getting those sorts of letters. So there is a bit around pushing them away initially. 
if you can, and then beginning to come to the table and have a discussion. The Procurement Show. Exploring the more interesting bits about procurement. And now, the Procurement Fun Fact. This edition's exciting tale of preposterous procurement, bizarre buying, or simply saucy sourcing. The new US F-35 Lightning II jet is the next generation of super-stealthy fighter planes to replace the F-16. The plane used for a variety of routine and combat military applications. The F-35 is an eye-watering case study in why good procurement is about looking at the total cost of ownership and not just the acquisition price. The project began back in 1992 and was developed from scratch with new computers, new radar and the most expensive weapon system ever built. The procurement promise for the acquisition cost of the plane to be below 80 million US dollars has been met, making it cheaper than other non-stealth fighter planes. However, the good acquisition price has a sting in the tail, which is the total cost of ownership for the F-35, which currently stands at an eye-watering $16 trillion and is increasing. This means it costs $36,000 an hour for the US military to fly the F-35, which is as much as three times that of other fighter aircraft. According to NBC News, the high operating costs are due to persistent shortage of spare parts and more than 800 continuing defects with an overspent delayed 16 billion software upgrade project. The F-35 is so expensive to run that the US Navy have already decided the F-35 is just too expensive for the routine tasks it was built for. US Air Force Chief of Staff Charles Q. Brown defended the high operating costs, stating, you don't drive your Ferrari to work every day, you only drive it on Sundays. This is our high-end. We want to make sure we don't use it for all the low-end flight. That's cleared that up then. The Procurement Fun Fact. Contact us by email. Hello at theprocurementshow.com. Send us a tweet at Procurement Show or connect with us on LinkedIn. Search for The Procurement Show. When you say push them away, do you literally mean calling their bluff a little bit? A little bit of calling their bluff. You're trying to give the illusion that you're not going to entertain it. You know, don't rush into this. Give the illusion that you're not going to Mm -hmm. entertain it. But again, assess the criticality of this supplier. Step two, in terms of how we deal with this stuff, is, okay, help us. Help us out here. Share the pain You know, we've had a big, long working relationship for a number of years. The future is bright. You know, we're going to be doing these other things. We want you to be part of it. Sell the vision. Because what you don't know, what many procurement functions don't know for perhaps an area of spend that's been quite stable for a number of years, perhaps that supplier is making really good margin on Mm -hmm. that. Now, the question is, should you continue to allow them to make really good margin? Or is this the time when you squeeze that? And they may already be recognizing that they need to give up a bit of their margin, Mm -hmm. you know, share the pain. So you've got to kind of test that. Can we ask them to share the pain here? And again, you test that by doing that. Okay, we understand that there's a need for an increase, but, you know, help us out here. Things are difficult. Condition them. We can't pass this on quite so easily. We're going to both have to take some pain. And that'll tell you a lot because either they'll say, well, okay, we understand we've got to share some of the pain, but not to that extent, which is like kind of negotiation speak for, 
yes, I'll give you something. Mm -hmm. Or Mm -hmm. they'll say, no, absolutely not. Unsustainable for us. Here's another letter from the chief executive saying the board is going to put this on stop if you don't do something. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're testing. A lot of this is about conditioning and testing how serious the supplier is and whether they've actually got any ability to help because we won't know for certain. We won't know exactly what a good increase level might be here. So talking, say for example, I'm the supplier, I'll be thinking, right. Oh, actually, this is a two-pronged question. I need to decide what is a fair increase to ask. And actually, you need to decide what is a fair increase to accept. How do you go about that process? Yeah. So, and this is, once you've kind of, signaled that yes we're open to agreeing the increase it's a question of how much so you start by saying okay give us a breakdown and remember we don't know often we end up in these situations where we have perhaps long-term contracts for areas of supply we will have negotiated that we will have understood the marketplace we would have done some work we would have ended up with a price that we believe is the right price. In a very small number of situations, we may have done detailed price breakdowns, Mm -hmm. purchase price cost analysis, modeled the market, modeled all the cost inputs. In about 1% of negotiation scenarios, we will know what the right price is. For the rest, we're kind of feeling our way here. We know we did have a good price, but suddenly the supplier is saying, I need a 15% price increase. We have no idea if that's 15% good. Should it be 10? Actually, should it be 20? So we ask for a breakdown. So you're asking them to volunteer a bit behind the scenes. You've got to have that behind the scenes. So they're saying, so why are you asking for a price increase? Well, they'll say raw material costs have gone up. Energy costs have gone up. Cost of labor has gone up. Okay, quantify that. Educate me. So you can quantify how much energy prices have gone up. Easily, yes. You can quantify raw material price increases because those things are published around Mm -hmm. the world. You can quantify labor price increases and suppliers can demonstrate that stuff. What you then need to do is figure out the relative proportions of the thing. So if you've got something that costs 10 euros Mm -hmm. and let's say two of those 10 euros is the cost of raw materials Mm -hmm. and one of those 10 euros is the cost of energy. So if the supplier is saying that the cost of raw materials has gone up by 10%, Mm -hmm. then actually... It's a 2% of the overall figure. Yes, so it's 10% to yes. 2%. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Same with the energy. So we've got to work out what the actual figure is proportionate. So we're going to ask for that breakdown. Very hard for a supplier not to provide that. If they're asking for an increase, it is fair and reasonable for us to ask them to quantify it. But again, there's an opportunity to kind of gain a bit mm. of territory here, depending mm. on how far we want to push the supplier. I mean, you're not asking them to share an in intellectual property necessarily. You just want to know some of the basics, don't you? They will want to avoid revealing margin. Yeah. So okay. we need to look out for things that are hidden in overheads. And we should challenge Now, challenging in itself can buy us time. Again, we've got to understand the risk because if we're buying time and pushing back, then we could be jeopardizing supply here. But we could challenge it and we could say, thank you for the breakdown. Can you give me some more on this? Can you give me some more on that? So we can play for a little bit of time here if we're confident that we're able to play that game. You're saying playing for time, but time might not necessarily be something that's available. How do you gauge how urgent right. this is? You don't send a company under, I know it's a yeah. bit extreme, yeah. just because you want to run through some kind of process. Absolutely, but the process buys us time. So we've got to be clear about the level of risk. In this scenario, where the supplier is coming to us for a price increase, the power of time is completely in our favour. 
because we can stall this as long as we like. The moment that supplier says, I'm very sorry, but unless you agree to that price increase, then we're going to have to stop supply or bad things are going to happen. Suddenly that power shifted. The only way the supplier can gain that power back is to take away the power of time that's on our side. And they have to do that by threatening to not supply us. Mm -hmm. The trick here is seeing how serious they are, because what you'll find is you'll have a supplier saying we need a price increase, but they're kind of not convincing when they say it. They're saying those things because they've been told to say it, but you kind of push and they don't really need it now. But, you know, at some time in the next six months, prices have got to rise. Otherwise, it's going to give them a problem. You know, it's not hurting them. I suppose it's fair to say that some organisations, some people who will supply you will use the fact that everything is increasing as an opportunity to increase their margin. Definitely. So the biggest thing we can do here is test it. We've got to test it to see how serious they are. We've got to push this till we see it hurt and see how genuine it is because most of the sellers negotiators the sellers account management team this will be uncharted territory for them Mm -hmm. you know there'll be great kind of negotiating deals in the previous world but negotiating price increases when you've got a contract in place is something that they're probably not trained or equipped to do and they'll be working to try and maintain the relationship so their number one objective will be to keep the relationship balanced so if we push back hard it will test whether they absolutely desperately need a price increase otherwise they're going to go down which gives us a problem or they just want to try and get what they can as soon as they can but you know we've got time you know we're testing to see how serious they are that's the key thing we can do so asking for the breakdown pushing back on it challenging it questioning it depending on how far we want to go And the final thing we're doing here is then just figuring out when Mm -hmm. we will agree to this. Okay, we can agree to the price increase, but not now. Or we're just putting some sort of process in place that says, look, the contract's up in April, contract's up in June. We'll agree that we do something there. Mm -hmm. Of course, we've got to test that. And if it's really a desperate price increase, they're not going to agree to that. Mm -hmm. But delay is the final way that we can gain an advantage here in this situation. It's time to Ask Jonathan. Today's Ask Jonathan has been sent to us by Martin Gulpin. He's in the UK, we think, but he doesn't say. But what he does say is, Dear Jonathan, I'm having to deal with price increases from our suppliers, yet my personal performance target and bonus is based upon savings delivery. As things stand this year, it doesn't look like I'm going to have any chance of hitting that target. What should I do? I think you should get a new job. Um, so, no, that's <laughs> not helpful. At the end. That's not helpful. Thanks for that. So you're in the same position that a lot of people are in. And unfortunately, this comes back to the kind of the old way of bonusing and motivating senior procurement people based on savings delivery and once upon a time that seemed like a good idea it doesn't fit anymore because actually for procurement to be effective then it really should be about value delivery so i think in your situation this is where you need to have a grown-up conversation to say look the world has changed i can't meet that target through no point to my own and try and bring the conversation around to if it has to be financial based then it's about how are you able to improve the outturn cost improve the ultimate cost so how much of a price increase have you mitigated and bring some more definitions to what constitutes a savings it shouldn't just mean a reduction in acquisition price but it should mean how you've managed to improve the overall cost and price including perhaps total cost of how you buy something so have that discussion but i think also try and see and i don't know anything about your organization but try and see if you can bring the conversation around to quantifying other forms of value that procurement can bring because as long 
as you are bonused and the organization is measuring financial savings, you're never really going to get past that in terms of the value delivery that procurement can potentially bring. Excellent. If you've got a question that you'd like to ask Jonathan, here's how to get in touch. Ask Jonathan. Email your question to jonathan at theprocurementshow.com. You might be part of the next show. The Procurement Show. The latest thinking, the greatest insights. If only you could buy time, eh? That'd be good, wouldn't it? What about the concept of fixing a price? Now, that doesn't always go well. And most certainly the energy market has suffered quite badly as of late because of fixed tariffs that they've come up with. Is it fair to ask for something like a price fix? But also, what happens if you decide either on a price fix or a new price now and things go up again in the not-so-distant future? You're back to square one, aren't you? And actually, flipping it on its head, what if it goes down? What if things get cheaper? And one of the dynamics we're seeing a lot of here is supply situations that are under contract with either fixed pricing or a pricing mechanism but the changes have been so dramatic that pricing mechanism suddenly doesn't work because, and we've seen this in the energy markets here in the UK, for example, because the energy prices have risen so incredibly, the energy caps that were applied just suddenly became nonsensical. So we're seeing contracts where the pricing mechanism stopped working or the idea that, well, there is a fixed price, but actually the supply market prices have increased so high that there's no way the supplier can sustainably continue to honor that so yes they potentially could be in breach of contract but you know where does that get you if you're the big company that's relying on stuff to turn up for your production line having your only number one supplier of this item being in breach of contract because they can't afford to produce it for the fixed fee doesn't Mm -hmm. help you their competitors aren't going to be able to do it either well it shows you the challenges of the practicalities versus the legalities of a contract but it also means that when you have to think about security of supply the importance of that supply relationship and recognize that perhaps the contract has suddenly stopped being effective Mm -hmm. there may be some situations that we can fall back on the contract but what i've seen with some of the levels of increase that have been required you suddenly realize that that contract is ineffective and the world has changed and is in both parties' interest to think again in terms of how it does that. So fixed fee, fixed contract pricing worked in the old world. In this world, everything's readjusted. And I think now the kind of way to do it is to agree a new mechanism and a new mechanism that provides for future price increases and decreases. And that requires a little more thinking, but it is in both sides' interest to redefine the mechanism for managing price increases and price decreases. It's an interesting case study, actually, for our international audience about what has happened within the energy sector here in the United Kingdom, where you summarised just now, particularly domestic suppliers of energy, they've had fixed rate tariffs on a contract, and the cost of energy in the UK had increased exponentially day after day yeah crazy and it has actually taken big energy firms under i think was it the fifth largest or even the fourth largest collapsed only a few days before recording this episode yeah 
can that happen to other organisations? Is it that situation that we should be particularly fearful of? Well, it's quite a unique situation here in the UK because what happened in the UK is there was a government, and there still is a government-imposed price cap that created competition but prevented energy firms from being able to increase its prices. So there was a price cap based on how the marketplace was. The problem is the wholesale price of energy has increased so dramatically through a number of factors, starting in the UK with Putin closing the gas pipeline Mm -hmm. from Russia through Europe and other factors as well, that the market price just went up. It's a market, market prices rise. And so the UK government price was artificially stopping the marketplace from flexing to protect consumers. A good protection mechanism in normal times, but the marketplace has done a crazy thing. So if the market is behaving normally then we don't have that dynamic. But it's important for us to understand how a marketplace is moving. And in terms of price increases, all markets are moving in terms of inflation. Energy filters through to all marketplaces. The cost of labor will go up because inflation's going up and the cost of raw materials is going up. So, you know, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that across all marketplaces, we're going to see this sort of steady increase and that's going to continue. So this is about understanding the marketplace and any factors that are driving it and where the risk is associated for that. It's also about preempting that because we can begin to model that. We can look at our big areas of spend and look at what those markets are doing and see where we think we're going to get future risk here. Mm. I was going to ask, are there any tactics, us as buyers, in our day-to-day lives or indeed as procurement professionals that we can use to protect us against or at least work with the possibility of price increases. Yeah, so the key thing is to do a risk assessment here. And this is not just in terms of procurement, but in terms of the organisation. What does our organisation do? And what is the risk exposure to us right now? So any organisation worth its salt has been doing this stuff. Translate that into procurement terms. What are the key risk areas that procurement's facing? And price increase is one of them. There are many others besides right now. But do that risk analysis. But think about the particular market places that would hurt us if we were not able to manage an increase or we had an incredible increase. And then it's about just staying in touch with what is happening across the cost inputs, the cost drivers. So energy is a cost driver, cost of labor. What are the raw materials or the services that go into what we produce and what's happening in those marketplaces? Because those things, those indices are published and some procurement functions have whole teams that analyze this stuff. Others don't look at it much, Mm. but we can actually look at what's happening in those markets and read the trade press and understand the predictions so we can begin to get a handle on these things and be a bit proactive here. So when you say proactive, you actually mean preempting price increases and engaging with our suppliers before they engage with you? Preempting them, quantifying what it means for our suppliers before they come and ask us, but also then being clear about how important that supplier is. Because you don't want to go up to someone and say, I'm going to help you put your prices up, because they might not be thinking about it. Maybe we do. Because really, yeah, think about the supplier where they are critical to us or think about the supplier where we've co-developed some piece of intellectual property and perhaps they're not a big supplier, but we've co-developed something with them that's critical to us. It's critical to them. We want to have that conversation. Yeah, but also you want to offer something or be offered something in return for that dialogue, don't you? Well, well, the something in return is that they're still there tomorrow. Okay. yeah, fair enough. But those are the suppliers that really matter to us where we actually want a kind of win-win outcome Hmm. because it's important. So we want to be proactive in 
understanding how they're hurting to help them. For the common supplier where there's lots of choice and there's plenty of people queuing up to be able to supply a generic, non-differentiated item, you know, we've got to play a bit of hardball here. Yeah. Now's our time to play a little bit of hardball because as long as we have choice, as long as we have alternatives, then remember that sequence I gave you. We say no, we ask them to help us, we push for a breakdown, we delay. Those are the tactics that we can use in our negotiation approach to try and get what we want. But we only use those with the suppliers where we have alternatives. Are you going to turn them into our three takeaways? I think so, but there are four there. Ah, okay. What would be our three takeaways then? So our three takeaways, I think, understand where your risk is. Yeah. I think number two is understand which suppliers are important to you. In other words, which are the ones where you need to do something with and manage the process of agreeing price increases. So you are clear where you're pushing people away, asking for a contribution, how you're driving that breakdown, and then delaying where it's appropriate for you to delay to keep the power on your side. Did I tell you I need to put my production prices up? No. (laughs) You've been listening to The Procurement Show. Contact us by email, hello at theprocurementshow.com. Connect with us on LinkedIn, search for The Procurement Show, and on Twitter, at Procurement Show. Visit us at theprocurementshow.com. The Procurement Show is brought to you by Positive Purchasing, enabling the future of procurement in organizations around the globe. Copyright Positive Purchasing, all rights reserved. Produced by Fresh Air Studios.